Hey guys, it's Ed, and I'm coming to you from the Temporary Junk Gossip Studios here in Detroit. And this weekend was crazy. Two of the biggest stories um, that happened uh, are completely separate from one another. Um, Of course, we're going to talk about the Miley Cyrus and um, the Miley Cyrus and Liam Hemsworth breakup. Um, We're going to talk about that in just a little bit here. Um, And we're going to talk about the Jeffrey Epstein death in our last segment. Um, And the show is just going to be full of crazy, wild stories. Um, So... I'm so excited for it. Um, okay, so you guys can tell I've been watching a little bit too much Food Network. Um, and I, I just heard it when... I just sounded like Valerie Bertinelli. And that's a little bit scary because she's my mortal enemy. Um, anyways. Um, so Miley Cyrus and Liam Hemsworth have broken up. Again. And this, uh, people were really shocked by this. They were either very shocked or they were um, expecting it to happen. There doesn't seem to be any in the middle here. Um, I, truthfully, there really doesn't seem to be any in the middle. So, what happened? Well, what we know for sure, um, we probably will never know, but what we know for sure here is uh, Miley and Miley Cyrus in the past few months has really ramped up her um, talking about being queer and what that means for her and all this stuff. Um, and Liam Hemsworth has really kept a low profile. His brother Chris, of course, um, was just in the all-time highest-grossing movie ever, Avengers, but. I'm trying to remember what Liam did. I don't. I can't think of anything that Liam actually did. Um, Miley also had put out a series of EPs. There were like three of them, and those failed to ignite. Um. So there, there's been some talk um, that career pressures put a lot of um, a lot of stress on on the marriage. And keep in mind, they were only married since December. Um, in case you guys don't remember, and we're gonna we'll revisit this in the. Obviously, there's going to be a um, deep dive on Friday about this. Um, 
But going back to um, December, there was a surprise wedding. Like, no one knew that they were getting married. There was no talk about it or anything like that. And... So... It really kind of started spinning out. Um, so the, there was a surprise marriage, and then they were talking about having a baby. And I think that's where things got a little bit complicated, because um, there seemed to be a lot of pressure on them to have a baby. And I'm not sure that they were interested in it. Um, and on Thursday, we're going to do another, um, because you guys really seem to like the throwback Thursday, um, last segment post. So I'm doing some research right now into some former gossip about Liam Hemsworth and Miley Cyrus, um, that I think is really relevant here. Ah, but... Focusing on what we know for sure right now, um, they broke up, and there have been a ton of pictures of her kissing Caitlyn Carter, who happens to be Brody Jenner's ex-wife, or soon-to-be ex-wife. Although, that's a whole other story that's really complicated. Um, because apparently they were never really married. And as I'm saying all this, I'm realizing this whole thing would make a really good, um, companion book. So I may have to talk to Will about that. Um, anyways, um... I'm trying to get their quote... Um, A rep for um, Miley Cyrus said, Liam and Miley have agreed to separate at this time. Ever evolving, changing as partners and individuals, they have decided this is what's best while they both focus on themselves and their careers. They still remain dedicated parents to all of their animals they share while lovingly taking this time apart. Please Please respect their process and privacy. And it would be a lot easier, and I say this all the time about celebrities, it would be a lot easier to respect your privacy if you weren't putting out statements to the press every five minutes. Seriously. (coughs) And this would not be an episode without me coughing. Um, So... um, This was put up on Instagram by Miley. Um, and it says, don't fight evolution because you will never win. Like the mountain I am standing on top of, which was once underwater, connected with Africa, change is inevitable. The Dolomites were not created overnight. It was millions of years that this magnificent beauty was formed. My dad always told me nature never hurries, but is always on time. It fills my heart with peace and hope knowing that this is true. I was taught to respect the planet and its process, and I am committed to doing the same with my own. 
so yeah, again the the this has to be about the career i you know I don't think anyone's ever going to be able to convince me that it's not because there are just too many things that are leading me here. Um, you know, there there's just so many things that suggest that this is most definitely um, career, a career-related breakup and not um, over-cheating, as some have speculated, um, especially when the Caitlin Carter pictures uh, um, and Miley kissing came out. Or the Caitlin Carter and Miley Cyrus kissing pictures. Ooh, I will get this right today, I swear. <laughs> um, um, those came out, and there was a surge of speculation that Miley had been cheating. Um, of course, there's the other contingent that said, hey, even if Miley was cheating, Liam was cheating too. We're going to keep covering this story all week. I will um, bring you more as I learn it. I'm fully expecting a ton of blind items um, coming from this, uh, from Crazy Days and Nights and um, Blind Gossip. So I will, as soon as I call them over, I will definitely let you guys know. But for right now, I'm going to take a break and I'm going to be right back. And I'm back. And from a breakup to even more scandalous storylines. That's right. ABC is doing the soap version of gay baiting. Um, Carrie Burke has been teasing soap fans with promises of their beloved shows making a return of some sort. Um, oh, for months now. But of course I brought it to you first at the upfronts before the, any of the other press or, um, was covering the story, I was telling you that there was talk, a lot of buzz going around at the upfronts um, based around um, Disney really wanting to get back into the soap opera business um, because it, it really is a gold mine. And um, so what what they've been doing is they've been kind of seeing how fans feel, um, seeing how General Hospital performs. Um, and honestly, General Hospital is, despite the unevenness, um, creatively, is probably one of the most stable rating-wise shows out there right now. The others fluctuate quite a bit. But um, General Hospital really has been kind of steady. And I think when I last looked at the ratings, it was like a week or two ago. Um, overall, GH seems to be, on any given week, one of ABC's highest rated shows, period. And that's daytime or primetime. Um, so, I'm really curious as to what's going to happen here.
So why am I bringing this up? Well, my sources from within ABC are stating that they're starting to put feelers out to former AMC stars at the very least. I haven't heard anything about um, One Life to Live yet, but I'm hearing that um, former All My Children stars have been approached about possibly reprising their roles. Um, And Jacob Young, who played JR until the show's end, went on Instagram and basically admitted it. Um, His post was basically saying, you know, keep letting them know that you're interested, that you want to see me on the show, yada, yada, yada. Now, of course, there's nothing saying that this is definitely going to happen. Um, But when stars like Jacob Young start to speak out, um, and Jacob Young, for the record, has not had downtime since since All My Children ended. Um, He reprised his role as Rick over on The Bold and the Beautiful. Um, And then when he went down to recurring over on The Bold and the Beautiful, he started... Um, doing um, Lifetime and Hallmark movies, which still pay fairly well for not a lot of um, time. Um, So it's not as if he's hurting for money at this point. Um, But, so, the reason why I'm saying that is because it's not like I think he's just projecting it out there that this is something that's going to happen. I actually feel like this is something that happened. And um, he's just trying to let us know. Carrie Burke, um, ABC, ABC's president, entertainment president, I should say, said this. Um... There's nothing I can report definitively, but I can tell you it's something we're thinking about and looking into and having conversations about. Should there be the right opportunity, we will revisit. We're really looking at everything, other models and ways of telling those stories. Essentially, I think what's going to happen, um, I would definitely look for all the old episodes of All My Children, One Life to Live, Port Charles, the city, loving, general hospital. I think I may have said that once. I don't remember. <laughs> Anyways, all of those ABC shows, they're going to end up on Disney Plus. And I'm going to, um, I'm going to venture a guess that there could be. Um, that could be how they they are brought back, um, as an incentive for people to sign up for the new streaming service. As always, I'm going to stay on top of this story and let you know as soon as I know anything. For right now, though, I'm going to take a break, and I'll be right back. And I'm back. Also, if I had planned this better, um, we could have done both breakup posts and then talked about the soaps, but you know... Such is life. Um, this shit happens. I, and technically, this isn't a breakup. Um, 
at least not yet. Page six is reporting that the relationship between Barry Manilow and Gary Keith, his husband of just a few years, but they've been together like 40 years all, um, they were together for 40 years and then they got married. Um, but they're reporting that, um, there's a strain on the relationship right now because Barry Manilow has a residency at um here's a residency on Broadway I'm trying to see what theater is at but they don't say um but anyways so the whole reason why they're having this marital strife is because Barry Manilow only wanted to do a very short engagement on Broadway. Ten days, um, or somewhere around there. And Keith, who also serves as Barry's manager, pushed for a, a much longer engagement, like Bruce Springsteen's, thinking that they were going to be rolling in the dough. Now... There does seem to be some sort of confusion here because according to the um, Broadway grosses I've read, Barry Manilow is not looking out into a quote-unquote vast of empty seats or an ocean of empty seats um, that the page six source is alleging. Um, When I last looked, he was... um, His show brought in a lot of money um, it was, again, these are figures that are a little bit older, but they were filled to or near capacity. Um, I don't know, maybe there was a drop-off in business, which is always possible. Um, and I don't know who they're aiming the show at. While Barry Manilow has really great songs, truly one of the great... American songwriters. Um, I, I'm kind of confused as to who the show is aimed for. Bruce Springsteen was aimed squarely at baby boomers who were nostalgic for the 80s when they were young and, um, and having fun and whatever. Morrissey is kind of one of those enigmas who tapped into every generation. Um, but his limited engagement, first of all, made it must-see. And, um, and not only did it, was it must-see, but he was hitting the hipster crowd. Um, and pulling in all those people. Um, that being said, like, I, I, tr- I truly believe in Barry Manilow is one of the greats. I would love to have a jukebox, juke, jukebox musical based on his songs. I, I think it would do really, really well. Um, but I'm, I'm just not 100% sure who this, who um, who this concert series is aimed at. 
If it's older people, you're never gonna... Older people tend to take their time coming to the theater unless it's a must-see event. Um, and they also don't generally want to spend money like that. Um, but according to page six, there's been some strife. Um, they're constantly fighting over it. Um, and the source said... If he weren't his husband, Barry would have fired Gary by now. Um, and... They say that they've been fighting constantly since arriving in New York. And a lot of it is centered around... Um... Money. Because Barry Manilow could lose money on this run if... If the seats don't sell out. Um, and I do, I do want to make one correction. Um, the source said that the show isn't sold out right now. Um, meaning they were anticipating a lot of advanced sales and they, that just didn't happen. Um, and let me just, before I go back to talking about the money part of this, let me just say, this is Broadway. You are... Tourists are... Going to be your bread and butter. And while, yes, a lot of them do plan in advance. Some of them... And I, I speak from experience when I was a tourist in New York. Um, when I went there to see my friend who had come back from Japan... I had planned, you know, and bought our tickets to go see Wicked in advance. But when I went there with Dave... We hadn't planned on seeing a Broadway show until we got there, and then we went to TKTS. And um, we ended up seeing Evita with Ricky Martin. So, I, I, like I said, I really just want to say, um, advanced sales are not an indicator that a show is going to flop or be successful. Um... And you should see the lines for TKTS. New Yorkers understand. Times Square, Lincoln Center, um, wherever there's a TK, TKTS stand at certain times of the day, if you're not already there, you avoid it. Um, but going back to the money part of this, I just, I, I really have to say, I'm a little. Um, I'm a little shocked that they work together. Um, because you're not supposed to work with your spouse. Um, you know, I, for one, definitely could never work with my spouse. Um, I, I'm sure I'm going to love him to death. And I'm sure that um, he's going to be the greatest man in the world. But when it comes to my business, we're never going to see eye to eye. Um, and that's why I need someone who I'm not married to because I don't want to be coming home and fighting or putting that kind of strain on my relationship. You know, I, I, my goal, my hope is that I marry a fellow writer um, who, who understands Sometimes I need to, you know, be by myself when I'm being creative. Other times, yeah, I like to be in a group. 
um, and who I can talk about the business part of it with, with the knowledge that it's always going to end up being me. Um, I'm really hoping that Barry Manilow and Gary Keefe work this out and, um, you know, I, I understand that there's going to be a lot of pressure, um, but one of the things I don't understand is, you know, the article says, oh, Barry Manilow may, you know, losing some money, but his husband is going to be raking it in. If they're married... Doesn't it even itself out then? I don't understand what's happening here. But what I do understand is I'm going to take a break and I'll be right back. And I'm back. And this story is just hitting the wires right now. It's very interesting. Um, And um, I think very complicated in a legal sense of the word. Because None of it makes sense. Um, So, Tobey Maguire wasn't always Spider-Man. And Leonardo DiCaprio wasn't always an Oscar-winning actor of huge blockbusters. I know this may come as a shock to some people, but it's true. Um, In the late 90s, both men were um, making their way up the ladder and they were actually very good friends um they were part of a club that had been dubbed the pussy posse because allegedly they went through so many women and whatever but and you knew there was a butt coming it wasn't all champagne and swimsuit models they had hooked up with a couple of the other guys by the names of um, Dale Wheatley. And there's one more. Um, R.D. Robb. Who a lot of people will know R.D. Robb from A Christmas Story, which plays every single year. So, they had been friends, they were hanging out, and one of them came up with the idea that they should shoot a short film. Now, nowadays, short films are a huge business. Um, AT&T, of course, hosts the Creative-Thon in New York and L.A., um, with more cities coming soon. All the damn time. Um, but. Back. Back in the 90s. Short films were. They were still made obviously. There was still a Oscar category for them. But short films were more. Just made for fun. With your pals or whatever. So. Dale Wheatley. Got this idea. To do a short film. And went out um, and got uh, he he borrowed the money from the guy who created the happy meal 
Um, I can't find his name right now. Um, but anyways, oh, here it is. Um, Jerry Beckman. Who, um, he created the Happy Meal and the Monopoly marketing campaigns for McDonald's. Um, and borrowed $70,000. Now, I don't know why in the world you would borrow $70,000 if you were only planning on making a short film. Well, when I made a short film, and we spent maybe 30 bucks total. And that's a little bit on the high side. <laughs> so, yeah, I really, um, I, I'm really confused as to what happened there. But, moving along. We, um, so they, so they ended up shooting this movie called Don, Don's Plum. Well, Artie Plum, or I'm sorry, Artie Rob, ended up cutting it into a feature, which initially uh, allegedly upset Leonardo DiCaprio and Toby McGuire, because it was an ad-lib movie, and they were afraid that people were going to see... Um, see their characters and associate them with them since it was so free-flowing and there was no real structure to it. Um, they were all, there was also graphic use, um, a gra- graphic sex talk and, um, things like that. And so Uh, Leo was just coming off of an Oscar nomination for Eat What's Eating Gilbert Grape, and he was going off to do a movie with Robert De Niro and Meryl Streep. You know, the real heavyweights... Well, Meryl Streep is still a heavyweight, but, you know, the real heavyweights, huge movie stars at the time, and he really didn't want a, a quote-unquote bomb on his record at this point. Up to this point, he had he had been very methodical about how he chose his movies and um, the kind of roles he was taking. Much as much like he does today. And he didn't really think that there was enough for a feature film. Tommy McGuire was very much the same way. You know, he thought that they were just going around making a video for themselves, you know, whatever. Um, so as Wheatley and Rob cut this, they were both like, whoa, 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 no, not cool dudes. And then, um, Wheatley put out, uh, um, a press release that Variety picked up, and that really sent Leo DiCaprio and Tobey Maguire over the edge. Um, and... But it was, it attracted the attention of the likes of Harvey Weinstein and other investors. Uh, they were, they were asked to go to um, different festivals, including Sundance, where they were going to show their film. Uh, and according to Wheatley, they screened the video for 
for Leo, and he had a rollicking good time. <coughs> but was still not convinced that he should allow this to happen. Um, and then right after Variety ran their piece, or not right after Variety, someone else wrote something. Um, There's another piece. Toby was pissed off. And Leo, I was giving an interview for to Detour Magazine, and was like, hey, don't know what that's about, because that was just a film that we shot, you know, because we're all buds, and we were all, you know, having a good time and whatever. As soon as Leo said that, Harvey Weinstein backed out. It was dropped from Sundance. And... Wheatley sued Leonardo DiCaprio and Toby McGuire, um, claiming that they knew about the movie in advance and whatever. Leo and Toby countersued and said, hey, no. All these lawsuits were settled with the agreement that it would never be distributed in North America. I don't know why they didn't go for around the world. I don't think it was a concern at the time. Um, there's even a... There's even a chance that they figured if it wasn't going to be distributed here, the rest of the world would be cut off. Um... But it, that's not what happened. It did get shown. It wasn't a massive hit or even really make any waves in a few countries around the world. And recently, there was a site called freedonsplum.com um, that was up for a little while. Uh, and I think it's actually still up. Um, yeah, the site is still up. Um, but um, the video is not available because Leo and Toby um, sent paperwork to Vimo and said, "Hey, the not cool man." And the the quote that really needs to be talked about, or not talked about, but um, there's a bunch of quotes. If you want to read more about the story, it's on the New York Post. Um, um, but Wheatley said they weren't the pussy posse, they were the bully posse. These guys are terribly intimidating with their power and their influence. McGuire stole my life. He destroyed my career. For the last 20 years, I've been living in the rubble of the, of the destruction that he created. Leo's rep said, The events and comments described in this story are decades-old lies and fabricated by Dale Wheatley in an effort to gain publicity and unlawful financial gain. 
Toby McGuire's representatives did not um, make any kind of comment. So, it really, to me, sounds like Dale Wheatley is just blaming two superstars because he didn't get a chance to release a movie that for all intents and purposes, really didn't seem to be made for financial gain. Um, you know, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Yes, Will and I did make a movie. Um, I, I starred and wrote it. He produced and starred and directed. You know, using that as an example, we both knew going in what we wanted to do. Um, we're working on another big project together as soon as we can get some financing together. But we both have... We, we've both really... Um, talked about what the business plan is and what we want to do going forward. And that's what should have been done here. There should have been contracts and... And everything drawn up if you wanted a professional movie made. That's why I believe Leo and Toby when they say this was just a short film made by buddies. Not something that was supposed to be an all-encompassing thing. But I'm going to take a break right now and I'm going to be right back. And I'm back. And, you know, I've been asked a lot um, more recently about why I write erotic stories and or articles. And the answer is actually very simple. Money. Um, With very little marketing, uh, they sell themselves. Like, literally, if you look at Vocal, I have a ton of articles on their filth section. Almost none of them have received promotion. And when they do, it's basically just Twitter um, with a few hashtags. Um, but as I was looking over my my stats, my... The sex articles far outweigh and I'll get viewed more than any other type of article I write. Now, people are kind of saying, well, why is that, you know... It goes back to the old adage, sex sells. Um... And I know people don't like to hear that. But it's the honest to goodness truth. Um, when you look at um, certain sections of Amazon's book list, like you, if you're looking at a bestseller list, of course, the, you know, they're going to put the New York Times bestsellers up there first, the Amazon bestsellers. But what they don't tell you 
is there's a very good chance that the eroticas are outselling that eroticas are outselling um, traditional romance books and the thrillers, mysteries, etc. that they're pushing as quote-unquote bestsellers. In fairness to Amazon, their Amazon chart um, is mostly based on sales. So far as I can tell, um, sales and reviews. Um, but that's the thing. People will buy erotica, but they won't always leave a comment or on an article or a review. Now, some people do. Some people don't care, whatever. And that, those are great people. But they don't always leave comments and reviews. So, how do I know that erotica sells? First of all, I did my research. E.L. James showed us that erotica sells. She took Twilight fan fiction and turned it into a billion dollar empire. I'm probably the first person to call it a billion dollar empire, but let's be real here. Fifty Shades of Grey will continue to sell for a very, very long time. Possibly until the end of time. I don't think it'll ever be as big as Harry Potter um, and the uh, not the Chamber of Secrets, and the Sorcerer's Stone, which, uh, if I recall correctly, has outsold the Bible at this point. Um, but... You know, it made her a nice little living. It opened doors for her that otherwise would not have been opened. Um, Her new book was sold based on her name alone. Um, You know, because I've heard that the publishers didn't want to publish it. They thought it it was horrendous. But... Higher up said, hey, we could have another Fifty Shades here. Let's polish it up as much as we can and let's see what happens. What happened was a massive bomb. But, you know, I think more than anything, what we, what we need to learn, or what we should have learned from this, is first of all, find your target audience. She zeroed in on her audience of middle-aged moms. And she served them a big heaping dose of what they wanted. Even if they would never admit it, like, you know, before it became really popular, people would were reading it on the Kindle or the Nook. Or putting um, book covers over it so people couldn't see what they were reading. But they were reading it. It was... It flew up the bestseller list. So we knew people were, were actually buying it. People were actually reading it. What I... What I've seen happen... Is 
there are some writers who are so opposed and so brutal towards romance and erotica that they try to avoid it altogether. And I don't think you necessarily need a romance or sex scenes to make a story work. Uh, But I think if you're trying to go for a series, that is one way to um, keep the series going and have kind of a hook in there. It's why these TV shows always do a will they, won't they. Um, plot line to keep people hooked in. Um, you know, and uh, I've heard some strangers will say, well, yeah, there's gonna be sex scene. Bitches need to get fucked. That might work for the dude bro demographic. But eventually, those dude bros are going to grow up. And the problem with with that is... uh, Because I already had the argument, well, there's always going to be more dude bros coming around. 100% true. Not arguing that. But what generally happens with dude bros... Is... Uh, they grow out of it, and they grow into men who are not all about screwing. Or, if they are, they're a little bit more respectful about it. Uh, you know, if we look at Leo DiCaprio, who we were just talking about in the last segment, he was a dude bro for a while. Allegedly a gay dude, bro, but we're not going to get into those allegations right now. Um, but as, what we've seen is, as he's gotten older, you know, he still gets made fun of because he goes for young models. But, you know, it's not at the pace that he was. He's He's not the leader of the pussy posse anymore he's you know more relaxed and mature about things and you try to they try to the dude rose from the past um, if they have kids they teach their daughters to avoid dudes like that And they try to teach their sons not to be a guy like that. And dude, and the other problem with going after a dude bro is they don't tend to read. So when it comes to that sort of thing, you really need to understand what your audience wants. 
Um, you know, if you're if you're telling your story like that, maybe a picture book or an audio book or a video would be better options for you. If you're E.L. James, moms read. You know, if you're an indie author, the most important lesson, and I know I've said this before, but I'm going to keep continue to say it and continue to talk about it, um, is know your audience. It is one thing to talk about oh, you know, I have, I have the perfect marketing plan and it's going to help me sell a million books. It's not going to sell anything if you're just targeting everybody. You know, there's nothing wrong with paying $10 or $35 um, to these um, Twitter people who are going to blast it out to a million people. You know, maybe that maybe that will help um, sell a couple extra books, maybe it won't. But you you really do need to experiment with it. Um, but on the other hand, you know if you're if you're gonna throw thirty five dollars for a month, at, you know, just blessing out to their million followers, great. But take another 20 or 30 dollars and have a target in mind um the uh, i'm working on a short story collection right now it's a a short story i'm taking um i was inspired for one by um this cool idea i had about uh, a spell in D&D that i play with will and um so I, so I kind of took that concept and spun it into a short story. Um, and then I decided, well, I really love these characters. So I'm going to continue to um, create shorts for these guys. And then um, we'll... To his credit, helped me stumble upon what I'm going to use as the last story in the book um, and potentially spin off one of the characters into her own series. Um, and that's just... There's there's a couple people that he and I mutually um, dislike. <laughs> and so I created a villainous character... That they have to kill. Um, and then. So who am I going to target that at? I'm going to. I'm going to find out who's playing role playing games. And find out how to target. Find out how to target. Um, them. Um, it's probably going to be a lot of younger guys, probably 20 to 40-ish. And 
um, the hashtags will come in time, but, you know, I'll find the mediums where they are and start plugging away that, you know, there. And that's how you move up the ladder of success. We're going to talk, we've talked a little bit about it, um, but we're going to talk about the um, 20 books to 50k theory um, later on. Like I said, I know we've, t- we've at least touched on it, um, but I have so much more to say about that too. But for right now, I've been talking for 15 minutes and I need to take a break and get some more coffee and I'll be right back. And I'm back. And I just want you guys to buckle up. Be prepared to hear me talk for quite a while. This is a huge story. Um, and I don't. I really don't know how long the segment's going to be. Um, and Will has asked me to try, um, instead of breaking it up like I normally would have in the past, um, to try and keep um, the segments together um, because people apparently prefer longer versions. Um, and, and so, in case you weren't listening to the first segment because you're not a Miley Cyrus fan, or, um, you forgot because we've been talking about so many other things today, um, we're going to be talking about Jeffrey Epstein. He, uh, he died this weekend. Um, officially it's being called a suicide at this point, but some people are raising their eyebrows at that designation, and predictably, um, the conspiracy theories are already running rampant, but we're going to get to that. Here is what we know right now. Um, of course, this is a very fluid story. It's a breaking story. Um, so I, ju- I do want to advise that what I'm saying right now could, could change um, as new developments occur. So right now, I'm bringing you the information that's readily available to us. Um, and, uh, you know... The, 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 obviously, the very first thing was Saturday morning, the headline uh, that went across America. I got it through Apple News. Um, I'm not sure how everyone else got it. But the headline that really came out was Jeffrey Epstein died. Um, it, there, it was always some variation of, of died by suicide or dead by suicide never committed suicide, and I, I was very intrigued by that phrasing. Um, I don't know if that's a new PC way of saying things, or if um, um, you know, if I'm missing something, but I always thought it should be Jeffrey Epstein committed suicide, not dead by suicide. Um, so, 
there, there's been very little said from the top about it. Um, Attorney General William Barr has questioned as to why he wasn't under suicide watch. You know, how did this happen? I, and I, I'm really surprised by this, but I actually agree with William Barr. Something's not right here. Um, the FBI is investigating, um, as is the Justice Department, as to what happened. So what could have caused Jeffrey Epstein to commit suicide? He was, as we already know, he was suicidal. Three weeks ago, um, he was found in his jail cell with marks around his neck, um, indicating that he had tried to hang himself. This was after a judge rejected his plea to be released from prison and allowed to surrender his passport um, and jets, but be allowed to stay in his Manhattan mansion. The judge said that he was not going to allow that, that he was not going to live in a gilded cage, yada, yada, yada. So, um, he was taken to the hospital, he was treated, and should have been on suicide watch for, for a while. About a week ago, a week before his death, he was taken off of suicide watch. There was no reason given for why he was removed from suicide watch. Um, and we know that the prison did not follow protocol. Um, Epstein did not have a cellmate. And he was not checked on every 30 minutes like he was supposed to be. Now, there are some more... Um, Things that we're going to talk about in just a couple minutes. But. <clears throat> you can kind of see where this. Uh, could be the. The groundswell for. Conspiracy theor- conspiracy theorists. To start really having a field day. Uh, and then we're going to add on to this. That. Um, the guards working, one had been on his fifth straight day of overtime, and the other was forced to stay after his shift ended. And, um... Bob Hood, who is a, um former chief of internal affairs for the borough of prisons, it says it was beyond him how um, this happened or why Epstein was taken off of suicide watch. And then he said, a man is dead. The borough of prisons dropped the ball, period. What we also know is that there's no video of Epstein committing suicide um, so, 
So, I know a lot of people are going to say, well, okay. But here's the thing. There are video cameras all over, but they're pointed away from the cells and, you know, watch, just mainly watching the area. Um, but it's really fascinating that, and I think it's going to further fuel um, conspiracy theories... Um, uh, it's going to further fuel conspiracy theories that someone had him bumped off. And since I've mentioned conspiracy theories like 40 times in 7 minutes, let's... uh, Let's jump into some of these. The wildest one I've read yet, it is, it is also kind of the most intriguing one, if you ask me, is that Jeffrey Epstein's not really dead. As, as this one goes, instead of being taken directly to the coroner, as is custom with prisoners who die... And in jail, Epstein was taken to the hospital, and nobody has seen his body. Now, people may be shaking their heads and saying, okay, this is really, this is really a crazy, crazy, um, way to present your argument. Um, But some do have to wonder if protocol wasn't botched here. Um, You know, and I'm not saying I believe this, but I think that there's definitely um, I, I think there's definitely enough here that we need to look at it. Um, if nothing else, it presents a very intriguing story. Um, so what people are saying is his, Epstein's powerful friends, whether you believe that he was besties with Bill and Hillary Clinton or he and Trump were still on good terms. Um, you you still need to look at at this um you still need to look at how he could have done this um it, like i said it's a very intriguing story and he certainly had powerful friends um in the 2000 pages of documents that were released on friday just before his suicide or before his death. Um, names were na- names were dropped. Um, Trump's name was brought up. And no, he was not exonerated. We'll talk about that at a later date. Um, but... You know, there he the who's who of power brokers that Epstein was involved with 
leads leads you to believe that he could have faked his own death if he wanted to. Which brings us to the next conspiracy theory. The Clintons had him killed. Now, anytime anyone remotely associated with Bill or Hillary Clinton dies, conservatives will lose their heads and spin a yarn that the Clintons are this all-powerful head of some weird mafia And if you cross them, you're dead. And that's exactly what's happened here. Conservatives all over started blaming Hillary for the death of Jeffrey Epstein. Because her emails. (laughs) No. (laughs) Um... That's a little unfair, but they they are blaming Hillary. They are saying that he knew too much and was about to spill the beans in order to get out of being prosecuted for sex trafficking. And she wanted to silence him before he said too much. Not sure that that actually makes a whole lot of sense at this point. But, it's out there. Um, And they say, you know, because she was Secretary of State, Bill Clinton is a former president, that they still have a lot of power and influence over the Department of Justice and then the Borough of Prisons. And they exerted their influence in order to uh, have him killed. But, there's another contingent, and this one, uh, if, it, uh, if I believed in these, this one would actually almost have me believing. Are you ready for it? Of course you are. Donald Trump had... Jeffrey Epstein killed. Now, this is this one is basically from the far left, and the way this one goes is essentially Trump has already admitted that they had a falling out over a um, business deal gone awry about fifteen years ago. And anyone who knows Donald Trump knows he holds a grudge. And now, as the occupant of the White House, he wields the power to be able to take care of his enemies in any way he sees fit. He's already threatened to have Hillary Clinton investigated because he didn't like that she ran against him and called him on his bullshit. Um... He's he's gone after quite a few of his former business associates and enemies wielding the power of the presidency. And they say that this is just one more where Epstein 
he was really threatened by Epstein. Um, Epstein was much wealthier and had much more influence and could have had some very troubling secrets uh, that he wanted to keep hidden. Again, there's nothing substantiating this. Um, but it is one of those that are out there. Another one that's out there, and this one is kind of a hoot, um, is that Prince Andrew had him killed. Now, the biggest flaw with this one is I'm not quite sure how Prince Andrew would have any power or influence on an American prison. Um, And outside of um, Glassine Maxwell providing them both with underage girls to screw, um, I I don't see... Obviously, there's a connection um, between Epstein and Prince Andrew. Um, I'm not arguing that. What I'm arguing is, as far as we know, Prince Andrew has not been around um, in America, and I don't know how he would know anyone who would have um, connections to get this kind of thing done. Of course it's possible. Anything's possible. Um, But... As it goes, Prince Andrew was on the ropes because in those with Epstein with Epstein um, being tried, his name kept coming up in American and British press as being not only one of his buddies but an accomplice when it came to. Um, uh, um, when it came to, um, I'm sorry, I just lost my train of thought. Um, so Prince Andrew is. He's up there. The, the, the theory goes that he hired a, a hitman who infu- infiltrated um, the prison. And I'm, tr- I'm honestly trying to figure out how this happened. Um, unless the hitman was one of the guards. Um, and if one of them ends up dead, then, then I think we need to start looking at some of these conspiracies. Conspiracy theories, rather. A little more closely. Um, and then there's the most logical theory of all, and that Jeffrey Epstein committed suicide because he was facing 50 years in prison. 
for raping underage girls. And I know I know a lot of people are saying, oh, you know, he was having sex with them. No, he was raping them. They were sex slaves. And I don't think I can make that any more clear. They were sex slaves. For Jeffrey Epstein. And as more and more of his crimes were being revealed and his powerful friends were turning on him, it's not hard to believe that they... It's not hard to believe that they would... Um, not talk to him. It's not hard to believe that he would um, feel sorry for himself. Poor little rich boys screwed underage girls, raped underage girls, and now had to pay the price for his crimes. And he was not used to that. So, it, to me, it, it's not a far-fetched idea that he would take his own life. But, you know, that's just me. And that's going to do it for me for today. I hope you all had fun listening. I had a lot of fun recording this episode. Um, even though it was a little bit tragic. Um, especially this final segment. I am so sorry. I will try tomorrow to bring you more upbeat stories. But that being said, I will be on top of the Miley Cyrus and Liam Hemsworth breakup. And I will be bringing you any information um, based around that. I will also be following um, the Barry Manilow story, although I don't think that there's going to be much more to that. And if there's any more um, breaks in the Jeffrey Epstein case, I will bring them to you um, as the week goes on. But for right now, I'm going to go. Thank you all so much for listening, as always. And until next time, cheers.